Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast that I really attend is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is June 10th, 2019. This is episode 270. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on this week's show, we're going to get back into the swing of things after a week apart. We'll also I'm going to stop you right there. We're also going to scrape at the bottom of the barrel of the Orioles news of the week. Okay, well, why don't we get to the Well, I'm going to do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's uh, it's time for the drink of the week. All Jake, right. what are you drinking this week? I, I think I'm going to get a word in edgewise by saying that I'm back to drinking some bullet rye whiskey, and it's yummy. Is it yummy? It's delicious. Good. Glad to hear. And and you, my friend? Um, well, Jake, um, as you know on this podcast, um, one of us has to drink well. We have rules. Uh, one of us has to drink terrible. This is how it works. So since you were drinking a lovely whiskey there um, and imbibing it this evening, I had to go and find something um, absolutely terrible. So uh, I went to my refrigerator. I was looking around, shoveling around, looking for something that was absolutely terrible. Uh, and I came across a uh, InBev product here. Um, it is called a Bud Light. Um, it is a freshest before March 5th, 2019. Danger. Danger, Scott. Uh, it appears to be in a somewhat non-amberish bottle. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to do this tonight, and um, I'll let you know how bad it is. One second. Yeah, that's terrible. Why are you doing this to yourself? Again, it's all about yin and yang here at Bird's Eye View. One of us has to, you know, succeed. One of us has to fail. I'm here to fail tonight. Well, one of us had to. It's uh, It's big of you, Scott. Thank you. And if you're interested in seeing what we're drinking throughout the week, please uh, join us on Untapped and drink uh, socially with us. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MAGN8606. And Scotty, here's the thing. Some folks think that this little intro of ours is exceptionally, excuse me, extraordinarily lame. We always beg you, dear listener, for your uh, ratings and reviews. We got a very, very nice review uh, telling us that our dialogue was stiff and carries the awkwardness of the office. Absolutely. And uh, this gentleman and or lady, not a big fan of the drink of the week. So to that person, I say cheers. Cheers. To terrible InBev beverages. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, it's time for a checkup. Everybody got hurt this week. Way to Everybody. go. Way to go, Jake and Matt Taylor. Way, way to go to getting everyone hurt. Look, we had one job, and that was to report the news, and boy, did that news happen. Yeah, what That is did? not what happened at all on last week's podcast. I'm just going to tell you right now, from a person that listened, there was no news reporting or any factual statements made on that week's podcast. Hey, at least you There was say- only interrupting and fawning. At least you can say More that. More we- interrupting and fawning. But the thing More is- interrupting and fawning. Okay. Yes. At least we were long-winded. You were long-winded, yes. Uh, Dwight Smith Jr., um, concussion symptoms. Uh, DJ Stewart, placed on the 10-day t- uh, injured list with an upright ankle sprain. Mark Trembo, yeah, he might come back eventually. We'll see. Uh, Alex Cobb, he's dead at this point. Um, we're never going to see him ever again. Uh, it's been so long, I, I can't even remember if he's a real player or a myth. I think he's a real player, but he's dead at this point. So okay. he will never be seen again. Um, it was nice knowing him. It was a good way to spend some hard-earned money. Absolutely. Yeah. Remember how excited we were about that signing right before the season started? Yeah, I remember us saying, I think our projections turned away from being like a 60-win team. And we said, oh, this is going to push them potentially to be a middle-road 500 team. God, we were stupid. Man. Those so dumb. Days. So dumb. All right, well, 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Jake, start us off. All right, this first one, it just can't be a good sign. This is a tweet that comes from Rock Kabako, who, of course, tweets at Mass and Rock. Hashtag Orioles, Trey Mancini is 17th in the AL All-Star voting among outfielders. So uh, no chance, right, to be voted in? Zero chance. Zero. Yeah. yeah. That's not a surprise, uh, but it definitely means that he or whoever it will be will be a pity pick. 
Absolutely. No question. Uh, Jake, we've got to talk about the catch. This one comes from British Baltimore Orioles fans at British Oil Orioles, not Australian Orioles fans, British Orioles fans. Do you know that Australia used to be under colonization by the British? I, I, I did know that. Yeah. Did you also know the Yankees have 27 rings? I did also know that. Yeah. That's pretty much the same equated aspect from a historical context. Tweet is simple. Anthony Santander, what a catch, followed by a lovely gif of, uh, I guess, a shock and surprise look. It's almost a clutching of pearls, but yes. I'll, I'll give it. Is that an English thing? A clutching of pearls? No. Okay. It's this English. Song. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, why don't you go ahead and take the next one? All right, the next tweet comes to us from uh, Nathan Ruiz. And here's the thing. I'm not sure if this was some sort of thing and I missed it. Nathan Ruiz, of course, tweets at Nathan S. Ruiz. Brandon Hyde made it to the Orioles' 65th game before he used a lineup for the second time. Quote, someday, some point, we'll have more of a set lineup. Looking forward to that day, but right now, where we are, you're going to see a lot of different lineups. End quote. 65 games, six, or 64 games, 64 different lineups. What, was that a thing and I missed it? Like, was that a big deal? Or Yeah. Huh. Huh. I'm kind of uh I'm kind of disappointed at this point. Well, Jake, I'm here to raise you back up. Jake, how do you feel about shtick? I'm a big fan of shtick. All right. Particularly in these dark times. Lay uh, it on me. So um this tweet comes from Utah Street Report. You can follow them at Utah ST Report. I already like it, but yeah. go ahead. Uh Jake, are were you aware that um a certain shortstop hit a home run this week? Yes, I actually watched that happen. That's good. Um, Jake, if certain shortstop were to hit a home run, um, what would an appropriate tweet be? Dong, clearly. Dong, okay. Anything else? Um, no. What about um, posting a Ricky Martin kind of gyrating his hips and then posting he bangs? Yeah, I like that. I like okay. everything about that. And Specifically uh, Ricky Martin? Oh, yes. Yes. Only Ricky Martin. Um, no, I'm a big fan of that. And I say more all the time. But speaking of more all the time, there was something that happened this week that plays right into our best and worst impulses as the city of Baltimore and its surrounding community. I want to start with the tweet of this week on the Twitters that comes from Brett Hollander, who of course tweets at Brett Hollander. And he replied saying, thanks for bringing Baltimore together. This, of course, was a response to a tweet from John Heyman, who either thought he was being harmless or was trying to be a jerk when he tweeted, I feel sorry for the guys slash gals covering the Orioles. At least the other bad teams have some redeeming qualities. There's just nothing to say there. Uh, there is just nothing to say there now that the draft is over. 99 games to go to. All right. I understand what he's saying. I understand. But that's uh unnecessarily dickish and clearly a lot of fans took offense to that yeah no i, I agree with you but he's not wrong no he's not wrong like i, I get i get what he's saying and, and i think it's particularly so he needed to post a gift of ricky martin Excellent. after he would have he would have had me yeah. at that point but you know i get the fact that he's saying that these these um folks on the beat have to basically generate stories. They have to create content because they're not getting a whole lot to work with. I, I get all that, but it does come off as prickish. I, I I understand the fans who responded the way they did. I will say, though, that the members of the of the media, the, the beat, who responded to him saying, actually, you know, I do my job and I enjoy it. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, th this comes to... My point, which is, you know, I think of, of someone like Rockabaco, mm -hmm. who has been here for years upon years upon years and has seen terrible team upon terrible team upon terrible team. And I have to consider that Rock is looking at this being like, I've done this before. <laughs> I know exactly. Let me go ahead and pull up article from December of 2008. Uh, this one will be perfectly fine for me to flush out a few words and change the, the synonyms and uh, make this happen. I can't believe that hasn't happened yet, to be honest with you. Have you just not been paying attention? It's very possible. Yeah. It's very possible that has happened and none of us have realized. Yeah. Well, Maybe we can get away with that with a podcast. Yeah, we've done that three times already. 
have we done that three times already and i haven't noticed yes excellent yeah good work yeah thanks uh well let's go ahead and uh go around the bases and, and try to figure out what exactly um is uh making us be entertained for the next 99 games All right, Jake. So we talked about the slew of injuries that occurred this week uh, in the medical wing, and you know that caused some roster changes to occur. So, uh, Jake, we had Chris Davis get activated from the ten-day DL. Mark Davis, uh, Mark Trumbo went on his uh, rehab assignment. DJ Stewart injured list. Stevie Wilkerson came up for the Orioles. Dwight Smith went on the injured list. Um, Anthony Santander was recalled. Made a great catch. Brandon Klein was optioned. Evan Phillips came back up. And then the Orioles went and traded for Tom Eshelman, whoever that is. Um, Jake, uh, with this constant moving chairs of you know terrible player upon terrible player, is there anyone that you're actually excited to see uh, for the remainder of the year? So, like one big move that again is not reflected here was Austin Hayes was promoted from Double A AA to Triple A um, this week, and it certainly seems like he's getting closer and closer to eventually making that major league you know appearance this year. Um, is there any other players in the minors that you're potentially looking forward to seeing? Well, let's let's start for just a second uh, with Austin Hayes. I sometimes wonder if I'm excited for the prospect of, of Austin Hayes making uh, the majors because I am legitimately interested in him as a prospect or if it's just that's a person that I know that right. is in the minors, right? Um so I don't, I don't really know the answer to that question, but I am hoping that he gets here, particularly with the outfield that we've got, uh, and that he's good. Um, but so I started looking down through the roster and, and of course, the stats um, in Norfolk and in Bowie. I got to be honest, there's really not a whole lot that's impressive down there at this point. And, you know, you look and one of the things that I like to 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 take a look at when I check out. Um, the the minor leaguers is the consistency of at bats and innings, right? Because somebody who's doing real well, quote unquote, real well at the minor league level and only has a few at bats or only has a few innings pitched, well, they're clearly not ready. But somebody who's been consistent enough to get at bats at the you know AAA level and is actually doing something with it, that's somebody that you want to see. But if you look down at Bowie, for instance, the names that you know are really not that impressive. Like Yusnel Diaz, who, mm-hmm. of course, came over in the Manny Machado trade. I would like that guy to be doing really well because he came over in the Manny Machado trade. Yeah. But you look at at what he's amassed, and he's not, you know, among one of the leaders in at-bats. He's not one of the leaders in, frankly, any offensive statistical category. And so you wonder, is this a guy who's overmatched at Bowie and, you know, needs an, another year or two uh, at that level to really succeed before he, he makes the majors? Or is this a guy that, you know, the Orioles took a flyer on and, you know, he might never be a thing. It's a very good possibility. I mean, what what do you think about any of the other names down there at Bowie? I think John Heyman might have been right. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh Ryan McKenna is is uh, doing as well, I guess, as you could hope down there. Uh, his average is not great, uh, but I think he's he's doing some good things with his at bats. Other other than that, I'm really not impressed by anybody Bowie. But again, you know, maybe it's not so much about the results as it is the process. So let's then take a look at Norfolk, and um, eh, again. I think the only one really having a, a great season down there is Mountcastle. Again, Mountcastle, but again, Mountcastle's having a, a you know minor league performance that's very similar to like a Chan Cisco. So again, are we getting going to get that excited over Ryan Mountcastle playing like Chan Cisco in the minors? Okay, it's okay, but it's not going to be groundbreaking, monumental stuff. I mean, I am much more excited with seeing um, Trey Mancini plays first base. Um, and then again, seeing folks like DJ Stewart, Austin Hayes start to come into the outfield and get get away from this whole era of Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo and start to see who could potentially be these slot position players that 
again, are not going to be the all-stars, um, but again, be those kind of bid players. And I think ultimately we're looking to try to figure out what exactly role does Mountcastle have in this organization going forward. Um, is it at first base? Because it doesn't look like there's any other position for him. So if he doesn't work out at first base, where is he going to play? And they don't know. Yeah, and it's tough for him to get any time at the majors, you know, at first base. Right. Because not only is he, he's not blocked by Chris Davis, he's blocked by Trey Mancini. Right. So you're saying we should trade Trey Mancini. Well, hold that thought. So you're saying we should trade Trey Mancini. Send, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying send our, our, our reviews on iTunes now just went to, to one star. I, I'm saying that John Heyman thinks we should trade oh, okay. Trey Mancini. Uh, what about pitchers? Is there anything in the cupboard uh, as far as pitchers are concerned, that's worth writing home about in the Orioles system. In like double A and triple A? Yeah. Um, Alex Wells is having a pretty decent season. Hunter Harvey, I think, is okay, even though his ERA is really high right now. But I think there's some you know peripheral values there that are kind of interesting. Zach Lothar is having a good season. Blaine Knight is having a good season. I think there's a lot of interesting names, but I don't see anybody coming up this year, as it were, um, that is really going to excite me. Grayson Rodriguez is another one that we, we've talked about before. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of really exciting players, but I, I don't consider anything to be there saying, wow, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how good this team turns out to be. Yeah, so I think, you know, basically we're stuck with what we've got at the major league level. The one thing I will ask about Norfolk and, and Bowie, and I, I guess the rest of the, the uh, minor league affiliates, is that there is the performance in the field that, you know, I as a lay person may look at and, you know, look for as far as results are concerned. But I'd be very curious to see how the players are being judged at the minor league level in the Elias regime, mm-hmm. right? What are the criteria for success as far as the organization is concerned? Is it necessarily the back of the base, uh, baseball card stats? And if not, what do you think we should be, or what do you think they might be looking at that we're missing? Sure. So I, I think there's a few things. I think it's going to come back down to um, how consistent you are with your mechanics, um, whether or not your arm slot angle is basically still allowing for deception of your fastball and your breaking ball pitches. Um, what kind of vertical movement are you getting with some of your breaking ball pitches? Um, are you actually able to command your pitches on the corners and at the bottom of the zone? Or are you letting the ball kind of float into the middle or the upper end of the zone? I think these are all things you're looking for in terms of um, ability. And again, it's not the ERA or the wins, the case per nine, as much as Dave Johnson wants us to be like, well, I think it's really important to look at wins in minor leagues. Like, no, it doesn't matter at all. Like there is a reason why the scouting system is developed to basically look at the overall talent level and the, you know, given mechanics and even assigning a value to each pitch that a pitcher has. Um, I, I think that's ultimately what the Orioles are looking more so at. And I think there is a reason why, um, you know, slow motion cameras are put in during spring training, why Trackman has been put into a bunch of stadiums. It is looking at this aspect of how consistent can these pitchers get so that when they come up to the majors, um, they're not trying to work on their deliveries and their stuff, as it were. They know how to pitch to um, high-level talent and, and go from there. Sure. All right. So uh, as far as moves are concerned, they're not very interesting. No. And they won't be very interesting. For the rest of the season. For the rest of the season. Yeah, there's nothing nothing that is going to get me to say, I need to go to this game to see this player play. Good times, Scotty. This yeah. is a feel-good episode. Yeah. But if we want to talk you know, good times, we can go to second base and talk about the draft. And I know you and Matt Taylor talked about this briefly. Um, and I know that you, you know, I'm you, not sure we discussed anything briefly during that episode. That's true. Um, but you and talked about Adley Rutschman, um, and, and briefly, you know, talked about, you know, what that means for the organization going forward and whether it was the right move. You even went onto the BBC. So I'm expecting us to basically put that in our, our Twitter bio. That will be our correspondence with the BBC appear regularly on the BBC. Absolutely. Um, but Jake, I mean, what were your kind of initial thoughts on the draft? I know that it made your, I guess, good territory last week for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, any other thoughts that you've had after ruminating a little bit further? No, not really. Uh, again, because of the crapshoot nature of the draft, I, I I refuse to put too much time thinking into, you know, will will they, won't they, uh, you know, make it? Did they, did they draft well? Honestly, we just have to wait and see. One thing I do think is interesting 
um, is uh, Henderson, the Orioles' second-round draft pick. Yeah. He's a high school player. Um, he may go to Auburn instead of uh, you know signing with the Orioles. He'll probably play a couple of years and come back to the MLB draft. I'll be curious to see if the Orioles can sign him or whether it's a wasted pick is, is too strong, but uh, a pick that will not derive any value this year. Sure. What I would say to that, though, is looking at the first, I'd say, five rounds that the Orioles selected, the Orioles selected a bunch of really good players that almost slotted upwards. And we've talked about this before um, in, in terms of the Orioles. The Orioles have been conservative in approach because they basically wanted to make sure that they could go out and sign all their players. Um, and I, I do think there's a possibility this year that you know someone in that top 10 rounds or even the top five rounds may walk away and say, I'm not willing to sign a contract. But I think what we're going to see is I think we're going to see overslot money given to some of those players in order to basically make sure that they get the people they really want. But you're absolutely right. There may be a few players in there that, you know, walk away. But overall, me looking at um, who the Orioles went out and picked, they went out there and got the best talent on the board at the given time. And we have not seen the Orioles always do that. We've sometimes seen them get cute, as it were, and say, I may hit the 20th pick, but I'm going to select someone that is the you know 40th ranked prospect. And that 40th ranked prospect may have been available in the second round. And it's this you know notion that the Orioles knew that they could sign this player. So they said, we're going to go ahead and do that, as opposed to saying, we're going to go get the best time on the board. And we're going to, in essence, make sure that we do everything in our interest to convince them to come to the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, there were no Matt Hobgoods in this draft. Right. Um, you know, there was a lot of attention paid to the fact that there were so many players taken up the middle, you know, mm-hmm. catchers, shortstops, center field. It's um, almost like they're the most talented athletically, um, yeah. at the college and high school ranks. It's almost as if players that are drafted often moved other positions hmm. when they're being developed. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. You know, Mike, uh, Michael, I said he wanted to raise the overall talent level of the ball club. And I think that was, you know, on display in the draft. Let's go get talented ball players, bring them in, and we'll figure out the rest later. Yeah, I'm, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think it comes back to they picked a ton of players that, again, were you know highly ranked. It wasn't who, you know, in those top 10 rounds, I could go through the list that, you know, Baseball America and Fangraphs and everyone has it posted. And I'm like, oh, there's actually information here and decent information out there where I could go and actually watch video of each of those players and say, okay, I can understand why they got this person at this time. There may be some flaws with some of these players. Um, but overall, I, I thought the Orioles did a great job of going out and getting, like you said, highly talented and uh, highly athletic individuals. And the other aspect is a bunch of these guys are going to flame out. A lot of these guys are never going to make the majors there. It's not going to turn out well. I mean, if we go through draft selections for the past few years, we can look at, you know, rounds five through 10 and we're going to go, who? I don't recognize these guys. And again, it comes back to even if you're a round one pick, you only have a 60 to 70% chance to get to the majors. And it kind of exponentially goes down as we get further in a round. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be someone that is in the 12th round that gets to the majors. It just means that there's less likelihood that they're going to make to the majors and then also be a significant caliber in order to contribute value to this team. So I think one of the things that'll be fun is looking back in a couple of years at the Elias drafts and saying, you know, where do these players end up? So let's, let's look back, get a little retrospective here about some more recent draft picks. And I don't want to start any sooner than 2013. And I say that because the 2012 draft, I think is one of the last, um, what I'm going to call great hope drafts mm-hmm. right um before tw- or 20, 2012 and before you had you know gosman and bundy and machado you know going all the way back to weeders you had more cavalry hope style of drafts sure right but afterward we started having what i think are interesting drafts for the ball club so let's take a look at 2013 we're not going to go through each one obviously but just some highlights right trey mancini was a you know middling pick in that draft. Um, and obviously he's, he's turned into quite a diamond in the rough. You know, you draft a guy like Mancini in the eighth round. I'm not sure you're expecting what you've gotten out of him now. No, I would agree with that. I mean, you had Alex Murphy in the sixth round of that, that thing. And again, Alex Murphy's fine, but again, he's, he's nothing to write home about. 
But I mean, you've got in the 2013 draft, you had Hunter Harvey, you had Chancisco, you had uh, Trey Mancini, Austin Wins is in there too, Jimmy Arcabonis is in there. So again, not a terrible draft, but again, no one in there that has been, again, all-star like talent, a bunch of folks that have gone to the majors, but again, no one that is all-star like talent. Yeah, and I think that if our drafts can continue to contain players in the first you know, third of it that make major league contributions, I think that will say good things not only about the drafting, but the, the development process. And, you know, again, this is the Duquette regime, right? The the development process that we decried for years and years and years. Right. All you have to do is get complementary players out of your draft. Yeah. Obviously, you want as many stars as you can. That's fine. But if you could just give me the complementary players, you can go buy the rest. Sure. So, like, uh, looking at the 2014 draft, we've got uh, complementary players such as Brian Gonzalez, Patrick Connaughton, David Hess, Tanner Scott, Max Shu, Steve Wilkerson, Austin Anderson, Jay Gonzalez, John Means, uh, and, and then again, uh, one of our favorite, uh, Nigel Newtbar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this one, uh, a lot of misses. You missed Stevie Wilkerson, by the way. I, yeah, that's fine. But um, I but did cover Nigel Newtbar. You did. You did in great de- in great depth. Godzilla is just over the moon right now that we brought up Nigel Newtbar. Look, if you can get a John Means at a, a you know, round 11. Do you think when they turned in the card saying we want Nigel Newtbar, MLB's just like, you made this up. Are you, are you serious here? <laughs> I I think they should do that. Somewhere in the in the 40 rounds, just make up a name and make somebody read it. But no, you know, so you get out of that draft a guy like John Means. Uh, if If, you know, David Hess turns out to be a bullpen arm mm-hmm. you know you get that out of your draft i think that's a good thing let's go ahead and take a look at 2015 and see if there are any interesting why there are some interesting names here uh 2015 was of course the year with two first round draft picks the orioles selected dj stewart and ryan mountcastle uh which we've talked a great deal about uh, other interesting names though in uh in that draft ryan mckenna uh in the fourth round all the way down in the 13th, they selected Cedric Mullins, who's clearly had major league uh, time at this point. Um, and we're also getting into the territory where some of these guys don't have enough uh, seasoning to to be relevant. True, but I think we also can look at it and say most of those guys are also not top 100, even top 200, or even top 300 prospects, mm-hmm. which means they're journeymen, minor league baseball players, probably for the rest of their lives. Quadruple A. Yeah. Yeah. If that Nigel Newbar is a great example of this, but again, I, I come to this point of let's get Nigel Newbar on this show. I think we can do that. He's re, he's been released by the Orioles as of 2015. Uh, his brother's name was Lars Newbar, which again, interesting. We got to talk to this guy. We got to talk to this guy. But I, I still come back to that point, and then, you know this this is where you know I really want to focus is the Rutschman. You know, drafting you literally pick the best person in the entire draft in my opinion and it still is this aspect of i really think it kind of solidifies the Orioles going forward i mean if we think back and i know you don't want to talk about the gossmans and the bundies but ultimately this is a kind of caliber as it were similar to a gossman and a bundy you know when bundy was drafted bundy could have gone as a number one draft pick there were injury concerns legitimate apparently um (laughs) But, you know, Bundy could have easily gone as a number one pick. Um, and I think if we look back at a Gossman and a Bundy, you know, that's the kind of floor that we're expecting for a Rutschman, which, again, is, okay, well, he can string together a few seasons of, you know, two to three war ball. That's not that bad. But what we're, what we're ultimately hoping for is that he gets into that territory of maybe somewhere between a Bundy and a Gossman and a Manny Machado, and he's posting four to five war seasons serving as one of those all-star potentially upwards of superstar maybe not quite superstar and then if you can go get one more player that again is a four to five war player and then you have a bunch of other players that are one to two war players now you're getting into a situation just like you saw with the 2012 to 2016 orioles where you have just enough good players and enough peripheral players where you may be able to compete in gay or to get a wild court spot or into a playoff spot yeah, I agree. Now the the 2016 draft and and later I think is is too recent to really do any kind of analysis on, on how those draft picks are doing. But I will say this: um, in the run up to the draft, I looked around 
um, and there were a lot of articles about, you know, who is the best player on each team that was drafted by that team. And those players tended to be a lot lower than you'd think, right? First round maybe, but, you know, 22nd pick or second round, third pick, that kind of thing. Um, it'll be interesting, you know, to track from 2016 here and especially in the Elias years. What do the, what do the picks look like? Do we hit on the, the surefire can't miss guys and do we find diamonds in the rough who become great players that we didn't expect? Sure. And, you know, we talked about, you know, the first 10 rounds and we can go past it, but honestly, the first 10 rounds is good. I think we are somewhat overlooking it. We've been waiting all this time now to get to the draft and just trying to figure out who they were going to draft from the Adley Rutschman standpoint. But I think there's one big caveat um, that's odd for us to bring up. And before in the dark ages, it was, it literally was, we get to the draft and then it's wait until next year and see what happens. But July 2nd is coming up. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting scenario for Orioles fans because you've already had Elias come out and say, we are going to be the most active that we have ever been as a franchise going forward. And I'm not expecting the Orioles to go out and sign you know, anyone that is probably even in the top 10 for um, international draft. Um, but I am expecting them to go out and sign maybe one or two players in the top 50. And I think if they do that, um, I think that combined with the Rutschman draft, I, I think people could potentially get very excited really quickly yeah. um, going in through the rest of the season and just seeing how the development goes, seeing short a ball, um, I, you know, seeing golf coast league. I think there's going to be a lot more excitement to watch players come through Aberdeen and then go to golf coast league than we have seen in a very long time within Baltimore. So I almost feel like we've been in this period of wait. And again, we talked about there really is no players that I'm interested in seeing right now, but I feel like we're starting to get back to that point where I may be interested again to watch certain players develop because they may turn into something that is actually the future. Just like we saw with, you know, Manny Machado, just like we saw with Matt Wieters, where those are people I wanted to go and see their first game as opposed to players that are coming up and maybe one to two war players. Yeah. Well, hey, let's slide on into third base here. And uh, Scott, I want to talk about Dongtown. Okay. There was an article that came out on SB Nation. Yes, I know. I'm really reading all the fine magazines these days. Um, There there was a, a post on SB Nation entitled Death Taxes, Orioles Pitchers Being Taken Deep. And, uh, you know, it's classic clickbait, and that's fine. But some of the uh, some of the little nuggets here are truly depressing. When you look at the, the rate at which Oriole pitching is giving up home runs, it's becoming historic in a hurry. In 65 games, the Baltimore Orioles have allowed 127 home runs. And if that sounds like a lot, it's because it is a lot. No one has ever done it. The number of games that the Orioles have given up five or more home runs is seven. And they did that through their first 50 games. No one, no one is giving up home runs at the rates that the Orioles are. And the thing is, is that it's just going to get worse. You look at this, Scotty, and I think that, you know, remember when we were looking at uh, the Orioles hitting the most home runs in June? Yes. And setting all sorts of offensive records. I think the records are going to be offensive, all right, but not the way you're thinking. I think the the Orioles pitching has a real chance to be horrific from the dong standpoint. Um, And I think that we should just lean into it, right? I think that we should embrace it, find, find it within ourselves to just like the duck, and uh, celebrate these milestones as they pass. I like this idea. Um, as you know, we talked about the 2012 season. We talked about um, the aspect of kind of reminding um, ourselves when they did the ticket promotion in the 1992 giveaway. Uh, in 1992, when the stadium first opened up, uh, in uh, center field, there was the hit it here yeah. um, thing in the in, on the wall. I'm Maryland th- Lottery. I'm thinking maybe Maryland Lottery comes back and basically maybe starts sponsoring a few select seats in uh the stadium 
I've hit it here. And if it lands in that seat, you know, maybe uh, everyone gets a free uh, lottery ticket in the uh, in, in the stadium that night and says, hey, if you come out, everyone gets a free lottery ticket if the ball lands in this given section or if the ball lands in this given row and saying, here you go. Here's a Kino ticket or here's a scratch off ticket to go and do it. We are we're in a new era. We're Scott. trying to bankrupt here the public school system. We we are in a new era that I, I mean I think we can call this dongs after dark ages. Yeah. Um and it's gonna get exciting. So Birdland, give us your best uh Dongtown games. Um tell us, you know, how we can bet on this. Tell us what games we can play on a nightly basis, on a weekly basis. How can we make this fun? How can we embrace Orioles pitching for everything that it is? The games may not be incredibly interesting from a win-loss perspective. So we're calling this hashtag dongs after dark ages? Yes. So it's like leeches, but better. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure. We'll see how that spreads, just like the bubonic plague. All right. Let's go through home plate. So, Jake, uh, I was listening to you and uh, Matt Taylor. I'm so sorry. Um, last week. Um, first of all, wow. Wow. But... Um, Listening to this podcast, and um, first of all, I would like to apologize to all of our audience. Um, if that's what you have to listen to on a uh, on a weekly basis, wow, wow, uh, you have made poor choices. But I've come to the realization um, that um, this podcast um, suffers from uh, numerous amounts of fallacies, and I've gone through a, a list of fallacies. I've come across uh, seventy eight fallacies. Um, in terms of this, some of these are formal fallacies, which are, again, an appeal to probability. Uh, we also have a conjunction fallacy. We have affirming a disjunct as a fallacy. Uh, we have the affirmative conclusion from a negative premise, which is one of Jake's favorites of eliciting a negative. Uh, we also have uh, an argument to moderation for saying, like, well, um, we're going to assume that maybe it will go to middle ground or the fallacy of the mean because it has to eventually get back to the mean, which is a complete fallacy. We've got the continuum fallacies that occur on this podcast. We've got um, the fallacy of the composition, and we've got false authority fallacies. Again, we have fallacies upon fallacies, and the fallacies have extended into additional fallacies. But one that I think is is quite interesting from the Orioles is uh, the two quoque fallacy. Uh, and the two quoque is the appeal to hypocrisy fallacy. Uh, and it is when person A makes claim X and person B asserts that A's action or past claims are inconsistent with the truth of claim X. Therefore, X is false. And it would be something like this. Bill is guilty of defrauding the government out of tax dollars. And it is, how can you say that when you yourself have 20 outstanding parking tickets? So uh, this would be similar to someone coming back and saying, um, Chris Davis is a terrible batter because he strikes out the time. And then someone saying, well, how can you say that? All the Orioles are striking out all the time. Or uh, Jake saying uh, our entire pitching staff is absolute rubbish when uh, in reality the Orioles pitchers have always been rubbish. It's not just this given season that has been rubbish. So, uh, Jake, um, what I'm asking you to do is um, I'm going to brush off my philosophy 101. I'm going to have you uh, read up on it over the next few weeks. Uh, and I want to start eliminating these fallacies, as it were, as we go forward from a Birdland standpoint and see if that maybe turns the the tide of change, as it were, in terms of uh, the, the luck, as it were, that we are experiencing. Uh, I'm not sure I agree. OK, I, I think maybe what we need to do is we need to dedicate a segment a week to entirely leaning in to these logical fallacies. Gotcha. So um, just pick a certain fallacy that. Um, we are experiencing as a birdland, um, and then basically saying we're going to dive into this philosophical approach and c- understand completely the aspect of um, how we have fallen in to these given fallacies. Yeah, like you know, uh, a good example would be hasty generalization. Ah, hasty generalization is something that I do all the time on this podcast. I think it's something we're all really like good. John at. Means is going to be the next Michael Miguel Givens. You know, that's a probably uh, a fallacy in itself. Perhaps the fallacy of sunk costs again. Sunk costs is quite exactly fond of it. yes. We are very fond of sunk costs with Chris Davis. The appeal to authority again, just on and on it goes. Scotty, I think we should just 
Or like, uh, you know, if Renato Nunez hit a home run, you know, he is obviously going to win Fantasy Balls, which is the magical thinking fallacy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the Fantasy Boss at the end of my beer uh, uh, fallacy. But again, we live in a world right now where there are constant fallacies approaching, um, whether they be both with socioeconomic or, again, political fallacies that are occurring on a daily basis why do we not recognize these aspects of these fallacies that we have come to accept uh, from being uh, Orioles fans and from just being general sports observers? Well, you know how I, I just said that it's dongs after dark ages? Yes. We're in a post-fact world. We are. But we are, we are in an Orioles dystopia right mm. now. And, uh, and I think that, that blinds us all. So look for it, listeners. Look for the... Uh, Look for the logical fallacies in our arguments, but one I guarantee that you will never see here on Bird's Eye View about the Orioles is the bandwagon fallacy. All right, Jake, let's go ahead and find out uh, who won Fantasy Boss these past two weeks. Okay, so this is two weeks worth of uh, uh, competition. I was curious how you were going to count this. Yes, this is this is two weeks of competition. Um, I'm assuming that's okay with you that I, I chose two weeks. So whatever it was that we picked two weeks ago, you just slapped on both weeks. A- unless you and Matt Taylor picked something that I'm not aware of. No. Okay. Uh, well, let's see uh, who won this week. Let me battle like the numbers and... I was prepared to object if this wasn't how it went. That's why I figured. Yes, Jake, you were the boss over these past two weeks. So uh, that brings the score to three to three to one. And uh, that was uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra featuring Gordon Stefani with the You're the Boss. You can catch that at your local doctor's office. Um, so, Jake, uh, Renato Nunez was your pick. He had seven extra base hits. Jonathan Villar had uh, two. So uh, Renato Nunez, Matt Taylor's boy, uh, wins. Congratulations. So, Jake, category this week. We're going to lean into the dark, Scotty. I would like to talk about K's. And specifically, I would like to talk about K percentage. Oh, okay. All right. So there's some danger here. Danger. Because if you pick somebody who is likely to get few Mm -hmm. plate appearances. Yep. 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 You've got a better shot. Sure. Um, But I want to know which offensive player or offensive player you think will lead the team this week in k percentage keon broxton mm. that's an excellent pick because when you exceed the k percentage of chris davis you know that you're on to something yeah keon broxton when the orioles first got him i think he was right around a 31 percent k rate and again being around all these other guys it is spread to him you know just like the black plague and uh keon broxton has now been uh incubated as it were um with a higher k rate all right. I am going to depend on the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs. And I'm going to go with Richie Martin. All right. I feel like Richie Martin has the... Uh, has he whiffs. He whiffs. Like oh, baby. I feel like he's got a bad week in him. Okay. That's so uplifting for you. Yeah. Yeah. At least I'm not, you know, pinning it all and all of my hopes and dreams on Chris Davis again. No, of course not. Although this is the time to do it. That would be the time to do it. All right. Well, we will find out who... Um, fails this week in fantasy balls or or something or something yeah and we'll do that right after we go through the good the bad and the ugly That's right, it's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to start this week, and I'm going to go through my good. My good is going to go to Hanser Alberto. And for no good reason, Hanser Alberto is one of my favorite Orioles on the 2019 squad. 
I, I really do think it's the why. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's like the Ryan Flaherty, Brandon Fahey thing. I I I find myself drawn to rooting for Hanser Alberto. Um, and this week he he rewarded me for it. He had a weighted runs created plus of one fifty six. He had a woba over four hundred, and he played in quite a few games. He he was among the leaders, if not the leader, in plate appearances. So Hanser Alberto. Uh, also, 3.4% K rate. Uh, he had himself a good week, and so I want to celebrate that. Mine's good's going to go to Birdland. Really? Yeah. It's going to go to Birdland. That's a bandwagon fallacy, Scott. I'm on to you. It is. But 30 to 40 people all showing up to Jimmy's Famous Seafood for an Orioles draft day party and just having a good time with the bird and actually watching the MLB draft. Boy, howdy, you definitely deserve a good for basically having nothing better to do with your Monday night. <laughs> Congratulations. And this is kind of from a guy basically sitting in a basement right now in front of a microphone talking. So you get my good for being a loyal bunch of Orioles fans. Well done to all those that attended Jimmy's Famous Seafood MLB Draft Party uh, on the Monday for MLB Draft. Way to go. All righty, let's take a look at the bad. Uh, I'm going to give my bad this week to none other than Keon Broxton. And how can I say this politely? How can I say this constructively? Let's let's put it this way. Keon Broxton had the kind of week where you can say definitively that the best thing that he did for the team was to participate in some pregame hijinks with Orbit the Houston Astros mascot. And outside of that one moment, he was a waste of space. Uh, a negative 21 run, uh, weighted runs created plus. His Wobo was 142. Um, yeah, just a rough, rough week at the plate. And, uh, you know, he had 20 plate appearances in the six games. A 50% K rate. Woof. My bad's going to go to the Kansas City Royals, who still are doing worse than the Baltimore Royals. Um, How is that physically possible? Kansas City, uh, clean your ish up. We need that number one uh, draft pick. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. My ugly is going to go to Mark Trumbo. And Mark Trumbo is ugly for so many reasons. Uh, but I don't want him to come back to the Orioles. I don't think he can do anything productive for the team. I think that he will just take up space. And I am not sure that the fun police that he is will really mesh well on a club that needs to latch onto as much positivity as it can. And so the more we hear about Mark Trumbo going on uh, you know, assignments and getting closer to returning, the more I just feel like I'd like to see him ride off into the sunset. Mark Trumbo... You are my pre-ugly this week. Uh, Jake English, you are my ugly this week. Well, every week, but go on. Uh, Jake, can, let me ask you this question. Mm. Um, when are you going to go to a Sunday baseball game? Mm. That is an excellent question. Um, because uh, last I checked, um, we have Sunday game tickets mm. for we the do. Orioles. We do. And uh, yet you choose not to go on Sundays to see the Orioles play. And uh, you choose not to go see Chris Mauer. Yeah, these are these are all true facts. Uh, for a little while, I am taking my kid to regular uh, eye doctor appointments on Sunday mornings. But enough excuses out of me. Here's here's the real answer, Scotty. Listen, if I'm you looking... want to make that boy see well, take him and go see an Orioles game. <laughs> I'm looking. You know what? Scratch that. That was a terrible piece of advice. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to paying a dollar. For each game that I missed to uh, turn back in to watch other terrible Orioles games, I'm just feeding the Orioles economy. I'm giving them the money to to go on and and purchase players, facilitate this escapade. You know, I, I'm I'm part of the rebuild. If you go there and say, "I would like to exchange a ticket that I did not use, and I would like to give you a dollar back," what do you think their response will be? Well, they'll take it. Are you sure? They'll take anything. I think they're going to be very confused. They're going to be like, sir, we haven't done this yet this season. <laughs> what are you asking us to do? I'm going to need to get a manager for this one. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe I'll win something for being the first. Maybe. That, that's never happened to you. <laughs> I do accept 
that I am ugly. You are extremely ugly. Jake, why don't you go ahead and uh, blow the save here to close us out since we're not at the one hour and 20 minute mark. That, by the way, is fully what I expected the ugly to be about. I bet. All right, I'm going to blow the save this week. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed with the Baltimore Orioles. Mm. I was uh, I was perusing their site recently, yeah. as I want to do. Looking for a Sunday game to go to? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, I came across one of their recent promotions, which is the Orioles Crab Hat. Yeah, it's going on this weekend. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sunday? Sunday for Father's Day. All right. Um, so I, I looked at it, and it's okay. You know, it's uh, it's an Orioles hat with the smiling bird Oriole, uh, plus, you know, some, Beg your pardon? some little... Sorry, the duck. Thank you. Thank you. With some, you know, little crabs all over the, the hat. And I thought, oh, okay, that's that's nice. That's cool. But then I was instantly disappointed. And I was instantly disappointed because, I don't know if you remember, but when we looked at the promotional schedule in the preseason or whenever it was that they announced it, there was no— Two weeks ago. <laughs> Are we that desperate for content? Yeah. Uh, there was no picture of the Orioles crab hat. And I desperately wanted it to be— an actual crab. And so I've been holding on to that hope all season. And frankly, with the play of the field on the field, it was the only hope I had. And so it has been dashed to the ground. I need more ridiculous giveaways, Orioles. So Baltimore Orioles, this is your chance to make it up to Jake. I need you to go ahead and uh, make a partnership with uh, McCormick. Uh, I need you to go ahead and I need you to draft up a puffy vest with crabs all over the puffy vest. Maybe he even has some crab bugs coming outside the puffy vest. And then when Jake English shows up to gate D, I need you to make sure that that puffy vest is not available for him to get when it is absolutely given to everybody else in the stadium. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate these efforts. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com Birds Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts Stitcher Google Play Music Spotify and many others I just remembered I said iTunes earlier iTunes doesn't exist anymore yeah like it gone. it's gone like how old does that make us now pretty old I guess old. yeah so please remember to rate and review the show only if it's positive and we appreciate the feedback only if it's positive and it encourages other people to listen for the first time only if it's positive. Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdsofviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on, let's say, Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Be safe out there. And let's go, O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.